Fun fact, Steamboat Willie enters the public domain next year. Yes, we had this conversation, remember? We, we like, dug through the... Uh... 1927 is this year's. This is the first year in 20 years that copyright stuff, new copyright stuff is entering the public domain. Because they pushed it back. 20 years ago. Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the only Survivor podcast that really just loads you up with these Tom quotes. So oh. many Tom quotes just to, to make you feel things. It's going to get so much worse next episode, I feel. <laughs> I'm your host, Stephen Levine, with my co-host, Jared Sheldon. Jared, what's up? Okay. I'm going to go on a rant. Okay. <laughs> Welcome. You are four seconds in. <laughs> Have you heard of Disco Elysium? I, the name sounds familiar. Is that a band? It's a video game. Yes. It came out a few years ago. It, it's gotten updates and voice acting over the last like year, maybe two. I have always had it on my radar, but today was the day I was finally like, all right, I'm going to buy this game. And I'm going to play it. It's like $30 on Steam, maybe 35 Okay. It is the best video game I've ever played. Oh. I am only maybe two or three hours in. If you work with me and have found this podcast against my better wishes, please turn off this podcast right now. Giving you some time? <laughs> All right. So I spent most of my afternoon while I was supposed to be working playing this. And it is fantastic. The whole game is basically D&D, except you are a drugged out cop. Yes, ACAB. Trying to solve a murder... But the beginning of the game is you wake up, and it's the amnesia thing. But, hey, you are a lifelong alcoholic, and you have drank so much that you have lost all of your memories. You do not know where you are. You do not know that you're a cop. You are very confused. And it's all, like, isometric top-down. It has the four major stats you would think of. Strength, dexterity, wisdom, intellect, except they're framed differently. And then they have subcategories through those. Which will be things like, under Wisdom, which is your emotional intelligence in this game, Inland Empire, which is your, like, imagination and almost, like, conspiracy brain. And then, like, Electrochemistry, which is your ability to take drugs that give you stat <laughs> boost. Or, like, how much of an addict are you? <laughs> so, like, if you see somebody drinking, do you just have to, you have to roll a check to not steal the drink from their hand and drink it? And within the first, like, two hours, I have... I'm trying to do, like, a cop that's trying to get their shit together. But even in that, I've told somebody, good, that bird fucking deserved it. <laughs> I have also had, had a heart attack by getting frustrated at a dumpster that I couldn't open because the pry bar wouldn't get the lid open. And just straight up died of a heart attack. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's so good. Okay. All, All right. of the stats talk to you. Like, they're all characters. And there are checks constantly running in the background that you don't see the ones that you fail. But if you have a high, like, perception, mm -hmm. then you'll notice something in a conversation with somebody and you get another dialogue prompt. But if you didn't have a high enough perception, you don't even know that you failed the check. Nice. I, okay, that's, that sounds pretty great. It's awesome. I, if, if you, it's all dialogue as, so far. I don't think there's any combat in the game. So if that's not something for you, then, like, maybe don't check it out. But the story is just, oh, it's so good. And it's so replayable. Okay, okay. On the world of kind of the same, but not at all the same, I've been watching people play High on Life and just seeing clips. Uh, if you know Rick and Morty, it's the people who made Rick and Morty. They made a video game. It, the voices are just Rick and Morty. It's, it's the exact same. And all the jokes are the exact same. It's just an episode of Rick and Morty. <laughs> but some of the things that I've really enjoyed, and I haven't watched too much, like probably less than an hour, they do a literal trolley problem. You, you stumble upon a trolley problem. And you're like, how did this happen? How did you get here? Yeah, we, we tied ourselves to the tracks. Don't worry about it. But that's, now you need to save us. That's when you do the Tokyo Drift and just take them all out. <laughs> Backslide. One more thing about Disco Elysium before we move on. The game, it doesn't look like it at first, but the game is immensely political. And I am falling in love with that. I mean, of course I am. Who, like, come on. 
but like they have a they're like your your stats or like your what well, I guess what would be called your like achievements or your progression. Okay, it'll map out the number of times you were like communist or an anarchist or a fascist, like in dialogue, and mm. that changes the way people view you. Mm. Interesting. So I, I got to do some research on that one. I'm gonna make you play it. Okay. Speaking of things you can play, emails. You can send us an email at survivortbt at gmail.com. You can also send us different things, like a twit, a, t- a tweet, a twat. No. Dude, not that one. <laughs> not that one. I mean, you you can? <laughs> don't, don't know. Don't. I don't check the inbox. Make yeah. it Steven's problem. <laughs> <laughs> send us things on Twitter, at survivortbt, or on Reddit, u slash survivortbt. We have a lot of different things. We have emails. Email from Josh. Josh, thank you for emailing, as always. A couple of quick notes. I'd like to say that the person who messaged you that all seasons are free and on good quality on YouTube, if you know where to look. Great. Says, says Josh. I'm surprised by that. I don't know where to look, but I now know where to look. YouTube is pretty heavily monitored for stuff like that, so I'm surprised, but hey, there we go. If you know where to look. Says, I think Australia and a bit Borneo too set the expectations too high for the number of returnees and information about the contestants out there. Mm. There is a lot about the the first couple seasons. So yes, I get that. I expected that, especially because I expected more from Borneo because it's the grandfathering season. Yep. Australia was a surprise. I'm more surprised because there's that article that, that came out in 2020 that you've been referencing that yeah. catches up with all of them. I was surprised that some of them just didn't get back to the publication. If you're you're trying to keep your distance from that, then I get it. It says Africa is much more the baseline for future seasons, and information is still out there. You just have to dig harder, which I'm sure Jared would love. I will, yes, I will dig harder. I I can't. Jared cannot. I will. And then Josh updated their list with season 43 and South Africa 9, Return of the Outcasts. Put 43 as a C. Okay. I haven't seen enough of it yet. That's fair. I think 43 is just very controversial. Mm. Why would you say something so controversial and yet so brave? I've seen who the winner of 43 is. I did have that spoiled for me. Boo. It's harder to not get spoilers in real time. Boo. It's easy to get to not get spoilers of who's the winner of season three versus who's the winner that came out like that week. That's wild. But I really like the person who won from the first couple episodes I've seen of mm. 43. Okay. I, I kind of stopped watching just because we watch at minimum two episodes a week of the old seasons and my life is very busy. Yeah. Oh, and one more from Josh. Also says two tribes will be better when people start gaming harder. Yeah, I can see that. I agree. This is not my favorite of the three seasons, but this is my favorite the way, of the way the tribes have intermingled already. <laughs> Uh, we got an email from Carl. Got a lot on this one, so probably be judicious with it, which is probably fine. Yes, I will. <laughs> Steven, I gotta call a spade a spade. Speaking of breaking the law, emails is one of the most hideous non-segues I've ever heard in my life. I don't know what you're talking about, man. My segues are great, and definitely not flying from the seat of my pants. <laughs> But speaking of breaking the law, a Yakuza reference is the last thing I expected in this podcast. I'm chock full of them, baby. (laughs) That is true. Jared has been pushing Yakuza for a while. Years. Years. So long. One of the best game series out there. I'm so sad it took so long to come to America (laughs) and for me to discover it. Yeah. Couple couple highlights to the email. Brandon seems like a dick. He's so viciously shit-talking his quote-unquote friends. Lindsay, whom he said he was so close with at Tribal Council multiple times, I don't like him. I don't blame him shit-talking Lindsay because of the way that he felt betrayed. Because she goes, I almost stabbed you in the back. I thought I was coming here and doing that. Yeah. And it's a very emotional, visceral reaction. But yeah, Brandon's all over the place, and we'll talk about that this episode. I need for Survivor to get over the taking it so personal. Yeah. That this it, it is a game. And people will take boats personally, but it's different when it's, oh, you blindsided me. Why, like, that sucks versus you dare vote for me. You dare vote with someone else when we had this alliance that we have locked in since day one. How dare you? Yeah. 
Yep, I agree. Although I do like Lex's tyrannical meltdown that we're seeing episodes now. It's very entertaining. <laughs> if I was introverted, I would feel offended by Kelly saying you should get prescription drugs to get that <laughs> counteracted. Yeah. Yeah. I take it that he she was being nice by saying introverted and the maybe getting prescription drugs was the more honest approach because we I there's introversion and then there's whatever planet Frank is on. And I'm not saying he needs prescription drugs. This is also the era of people really heavily over-medicating things. I mean, it still kind of happens, but that's a longer conversation. But yeah, no, I, I can understand why you could be around Frank for 26 days and be like, maybe some anti-anxiety meds, my dude? Yeah. I can, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, survivor culture was just different back then, man. People were way cooler about accepting their fate. Blindsides barely existed outside of a few that are listed. If people find it a mean thing to do, ugh, ugh. And Teresa used to be a flight attendant, so. That's what I, th you know, I remember that now. I was well, thinking, sense. I, I thought I heard that, but I was thinking I, I was overthinking it because she said she had joined the Mile High Club. I was like, wait, wasn't she a flight attendant? Nah, yeah. probably not. Also got an email from Tyler. A couple highlights from the Tyler email. Forgot to mention that Lindsay got married in 2002, also appeared on Craig Kilborn and Regis and Kelly. Yeah, doing the... A, a lot of, at this time, they would make the talk show rounds once they got mm -hmm. voted out. She's not Kelly from Regis and Kelly. No, no, okay. no, no. That's Kelly Ripa. Oh, okay. I think Kelly Ripa. Ripa, from, I hardly know her. I, 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 I. In 2012, Clarence did an interview on Survivor Oz, where he revealed that he was married with two kids... Also had a minor role in the 2016 movie Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and appeared Wild. in an episode of the show Detroiters in 2018. Huh. Yeah. I guess these guys keep their agents. Like, they get an agent sure. and they go on the show, and then, yeah. Why not? Wild. So wait, at the time of filming, he had a wife and two kids? No. Oh, okay. I don't think so. No. At, at the time of 2012. Oh, okay. And the one thing to keep in mind is that out of the 18 people on All-Stars, half of them are for the first two seasons. It's so that's that leaves insane. only half the slots for the remaining five. So and, and that's an average, you know, average of two people a season with one person, with one season only having one person. Yeah. And you said it's not all of the winners that come back. So there's Correct. A, there's at least one season where someone comes back, but it, one or two people come back, but it's not the winner. Correct. Interesting. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about that when it happens, because if it was their choice... I'm assuming every winner was invited to come back for All-Stars. Yeah, I'm sure. There are some... I'm not even going to say that. No. Scratch, scratch it from the record. I, I will not give reasons why people will not come back. I mean, there's been people we've talked about that have been invited that didn't come back on their own accord. Yeah, so, yeah. that's fair. And then finally, we got a Reddit from Justin. Justin Credible. Again, I got. I got a good name. I got. A, I got a great attempt at the name. You can just call me Justin. Justin, it is. <laughs> Been tempted by the high seas, but you're correct about the VPN blocker on Paramount Plus. It does. It does block you. Shame. Boo. Boo hiss. Boo hiss. Why would you do that? We want to give you money. Why are you making it harder for us to give you money? I don't understand companies, man. Companies make things so difficult. Just. Anyway, it appears on a separate channel called Global TV. Survivor airs on Global TV. So that's why. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it doesn't, but like it makes sense with their logic. Yeah. Completely agree with you about Teresa's song choice and that she was weaponizing it. Tomorrow is a beautifully weaponized song. Garbage. I would have walked off and just shoved my head in the nearest hole to drown out the noise. <laughs> Same. We're actors and we hate Annie. <laughs> what do normal people think of Annie? Oh, also noted the Batman vs. Superman. It's fun. In his exit interview, he mentions that he knew he was going to be voted out since he didn't make an alliance due to Beangate. Beangate! <laughs> I'm really glad that name didn't stick. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Even without Beangate, I don't... They're, they're going to get rid of him anyway. He... What, what Lex said to him is, I believe the honest-to-God truth that... Hey man, you're a monster of a human being, and we can't beat you in any physical challenge, so you, you gotta go. You gone. He said he was happy Lex told him about his vote, 
to give him a chance to enjoy the remaining time in the walk to tribal. Supposedly, the walk to Africa tribal was still a three-hour walk. Again, I the contestants themselves are probably exaggerating that because it's not like they have watches on them. But if it felt like three hours even, that's terrible. Ooh, this is a good point that I that should be noted. Clarence wasn't just a basketball coach, but worked as a stockbroker before coming on Survivor. Makes me think that the army came afterward. Interesting. But can't confirm. I don't remember him talking about being a stockbroker. It would make sense he talked about his current profession, mm-hmm. but also we just slip in that... The, hey, black man, talk about your basketball coach the, coaching work. The individual profiles on the CBS website are usually pretty good mm. about, hey, this is some a lot more detailed information about these people. Mm. But sometimes they just don't show up anymore, and I don't know why. Weird. It's only a, a select few of them don't show up, which makes me really angry that I can't use it as a credible source. Yeah, okay, that's all kind of future stuff, but... I I just want to make the point that, yes, I read the stuff. I will probably (laughs) respond in person or to that message. But thank you for all all of the information. Wonderful. Uh, So much good stuff. It also helps us, even if we don't read it on the podcast, I'm speaking for Stephen because I don't read it if it's not read in the podcast, Mm -hmm. specifically to avoid spoilers. But I think it does help us know what to talk about in an episode or maybe like as a gentle nudge of our hand of like, this is the kind of stuff that we enjoy interacting with as a fan base to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, and we love. We are only two people, so throwing in different opinions out there is great. Different facts that I couldn't find in the heat of the moment. Great, thank you. And again, I will say this: like everything that you guys send in, I'm not background checking you, so take it with a grain of salt. So some of this may not be correct. I try to give you the best information I can. If it's coming from someone else. Oopsie doopsie. Oopsie I will probably filter out the wild ones if I don't know that it's true. Unsubstantiated claims of, oh, this person fathered Bill Clinton's illegitimate child. I don't know. I will probably talk about that, Stephen. I will probably filter that one out because that doesn't sound true. Unless you talk to Frank. Bumper. All right, so this episode came out on December 13th of 2001. Just a couple things that happened in the week between last episode and this episode. The first of which is The Fellowship of the Ring comes out. Yes. Or premieres. 2001 was stacked, man. Insane. The People's Republic of China joined the World Trade Organization. Oh, nice. More towards the global economy. And Winona Ryder is arrested for shoplifting? I don't know if that was a thing that people knew. I don't know if it was one of those like celebrity stories, like when whatever her name was went to jail for insider trading. So maybe it's relevant to people. <laughs> Steven, you look confused. I just, why? You have lots and lots of money. Why shoplift? For the thrill of it. It really is the thrill of it. I, mm. uh... Uh, the number one song on the chart did change to You Got It Bad by Usher. I don't know what that is. Wait, really? I, I, maybe if you play it, I'm I will going not. to. Okay, go ahead. We're not going to on the podcast. No, I do know that song. However, it is far too eerily similar to "Burn." Burn, but also by Usher. Oh, Gotta I thought you meant from Hamilton. I was like, no, it's not. No, the top movie of the charts was Vanilla Sky. Which I don't know. I'm, I pulled up a short description of. And then Ocean's Eleven. And then Harry Potter. Which I just thought was interesting. Because Harry Potter hadn't been out for that long at that point And had already slipped. Huh. Yeah. Alright. I think it got more popular with time. But Vanilla Sky is a Tom Cruise movie. That on IMDb. The description is. A self-indulgent and vain publishing magnate. Finds his privileged life upended. After a vehicular accident with a resentful lover. Oh, okay. And this is a 6.9 on Rotten Tomatoes. Nice. This is the precursor to Doctor Strange. <laughs> Tom Cruise, the original Doctor Strange. Yeah. It did note that it has a cult following, which usually means wasn't very good. <laughs> Sometimes it, is, it means it was really good, but with something where it has a bunch of like really big stars and top the charts, and then it has a cult following, I'm usually mm. like, that just means it's bad. I will forever go back and be like, mm, the best cult movie, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Yes. Because it had so many great people far before their time. Yes. 
and just re- re- kicked it out of the park. It will forever be my favorite movie, even though it's problematic. Oh, it's, yeah. Well, not even just problematic, like, politically, but also just not... doesn't hold up script-wise all that well. Nothing from early 2000s... I mean, that's pretty late 2000s. That's 2009, 2010. Was it? Hmm? Somewhere around there. Yeah, anyway. Still, nothing holds up. All of your childhood dreams are dead. Oh, yeah, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. Yeah. Speaking of nostalgia, the episode. (laughs) Episode 10, dinner, movie, and a betrayal. It's such a stupid title. It is such a stupid title. It also does not use the Oxford comma. Okay, I remember being taught in schools that the Oxford comma was optional, and now it's not. I mean, it it is technically optional. Okay, but I remember being taught specifically that, like, it was leaning away from the Oxford comma. Oh, really? And that would have been around, you know, 2001 to 2005 Uh when I would have been taught that. So, I don't know. I was always on team no Oxford comma until, like, three years ago. I was like, fine. I am team opposite. There are many good examples out there, but just how you read it and how your brain reacts to it. That's why I finally changed my mind. Dinner, movie in a betrayal. <laughs> oh, what, uh, what is the the classic Oxford comma it's argument? Like, it's about like eating grandma or something yeah. like that. You, uh, ooh, that's a fun one. Yeah. With the Oxford comma, we invited strippers, JFK and Stalin. Let me reread that. That's a very specific one. If you know both, you have to know both JFK and Stalin personally to invite them. And you have to know that they're strippers. (laughs) With the Oxford comma, we invited strippers, JFK, Stalin. Without the Oxford comma, we invited the strippers, JFK, and Stalin. (laughs) And then it has pictures, but we don't need that. There's fan fiction out there. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, now that we're past the English language... Which is a disaster in itself. It's four other languages hiding in a trench coat, yes. <laughs> we sit and we pop in with ominous Lex staring in the dark. Everyone's pissed, no one's talking, and Brandon is the source of all the chaos. He sure is. I don't get it. I His move makes even less sense this episode. Yeah, it and really does. We'll go into all the different ways he flounders and flips back and forth this episode, but it seems like his entire reasoning... For not making a move that would have put him in the power position for the rest of the game was his visceral hatred of Frank. Yeah. I just I just hate Frank. Which I thought was way overblown. Mm-hmm. And Frank has been growing on me. But I did start to see why Brandon doesn't like Frank. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of homophobia just under the surface with Frank. Oh, God. So much. Constantly... Like, we'll get to it, but in the movie section, like, it's all over the place. And I can see how that would, if you're somebody that's had to deal with those types of people all your life, and now there's one that's been under your skin and also hates your very being. Yeah. It's an emotional decision. It's not a good game decision. But I, I get it a little bit more. Because mm-hmm. Brandon is, among above all else, an emotional player. Yes, correct. Absolutely. And... The people that used him to get further in the game do not trust him anymore no. because they used him to get further in the game. Yeah. So The people that trusted him before don't trust him because he just stabbed him in the back. Yeah. And the people that used him don't trust him because they don't know him. Lex is the only one that trusts him at this point. Lex is the only one that trusts him to, to the point where Lex and Ethan are just like having a full-on shakedown about this. Like, hey, I don't trust, I don't trust him. He did that to his team. What's what he going to do to us? And you're like, I don't know. You don't need him. Why, you clearly have your set four. I don't know why you're so worried about this. Yeah. Well, because Lex won't vote with them. Lex won't vote with them to get rid of Brandon. Right. Out of a principle thing, which I think is pretty honorable to be like, hey, he helped us. Why are we fucking him over immediately? Pretty honorable and pretty smart. Remember, Brandon will be a vote on the jury. Yeah. Oh, good point. Yeah. I think it was more of, Lex seems to be really hyper-focused on people's words like not like the words they say but like their word their their trustworthiness Mm -hmm. to the point that he's having a he's just unraveling he is spiraling like a madman and he doesn't he's still not fully appreciating that his power is given to him by the other people that agree to give him power and can be taken away at any time yeah 
I think if Lex doesn't win immunity this episode, he might have gone home. Hmm. I don't. Okay. But I also, I feel like it was either Brandon or Frank in that scenario. The people who, the two people that are not well liked at this point and pretty much everyone can get on board with getting That's rid fair. of them. I think young Kim would have tried to make a move to get rid of Lex if, again, if he didn't have immunity. True. I, th- I think that's a good call. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're just going through. Everything's sad. Everything's awful. And then we, we start to break into the levity with a Tom quote. Read it off, Stephen. Okay. Tom, I sit here waiting on these women the same all the time. Doesn't matter if you're in Africa or in Virginia, in New York, you still got to wait on them. And then Frank follows up with this and says it's a good thing there isn't a mirror around or it'd be twice as long. Women be shopping, I guess. Like, what the fuck is this? It's just sexism. We know what this is. Yeah. Call a spade a spade. Oh, yeah. No, I know. Call David spade a spade. (laughs) It's... Uh. It's some bullshit. But when it comes from Tom, it's cute. When it comes from Frank, it's sexism. And I'm going to call it the double standard here, Survivor Editors. Both are sexist. Oh, yeah. No, they're both sexist. The the difference is Tom is disarming and folksy. Yeah. And Frank is a curmudgeon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they're both bad, but one of them has charm, at least, over top of it. And then they go on to ask how many women that we have, and it's too many. And that's, that's where I'm like, ooh. That's where it really crosses. I can't, I, mean, it, I can't defend this. We've ran... Oh, I wouldn't anyway. I wasn't going to, but I can't. We've already gone way past the line, but now just being like, all right, we, you know what this tribe needs? Less women. Jesus Christ. You know what this Survivor episode needs? A beach episode. We need... <laughs> but you know what's, what's crazy is we haven't really... Like, yes, sexism has popped up in seasons one and two. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. This is the most brazen it's been. Yes. This is the worst it's been by far. Correct. So yeah, we take our beach episode at the watering hole and it's just them playing around. They're having a good time. Yeah. Showering. Getting dysentery. Hmm. The dysentery. <laughs> and then we, we talk to Brandon. This is, this is Brandon's kind of, this is why I did it, man. I wasn't going to align with Frank. They should have known that. And... That's, that's literally his his whole point, is I just, I don't want to align with Frank. Which, like I said at the top, I, to a certain point, I understand, but like, you're making a vote with him, not, you're making one vote with him, not a blood oath. Yep. And also, you, they should have known that? No, you should have told them that. That's true. We can talk about this. This is a discussion. Wasted potential. <laughs> Brandon is so much wasted potential. And then... We have some Dr. Pimple Popper bullshit. Oh, God, I tried to block this out. We didn't need to see this. Tom has, they call it a boil. I, it's, it's just an infected something underneath yeah. his skin. Probably a, a, like, fly either laid eggs in there or, <laughs> like, something happened. And it is disgusting. Not the first time it's happened to Tom out here. Yeah, it's huge. Yep. It's, like, behind the ear. It's hideous. That's a very sensitive area, and I hate it. This shows you how straightforward the vote was, that this was a segment on the episode. Yeah. And also not the first time it's happened to Tom this season, so they're like, ah, shit. We gotta fill something with these from these three days. Yeah, they, show, they call it his horn, which is, and the women just can't keep their hands off it, says Tom. And Tom's penis grew three sizes that day. Some things you want them to touch, they won't. Some things you don't want them to touch, they will. That's the typical beast, says Tom. Get it, Stephen? Like his penis. <laughs> I got it. Thank you. Because he wants all the women in the tribe to touch his penis. It's gross. That's the joke. <laughs> all this coming from the, hey, living conditions are brutal. Yeah. They're showing flies just swarming them. That would be my moment. I'd be like, all right, million dollars, not worth it. Too many flies. <laughs> Have you ever been in areas with like heavy corn yields? <laughs> Just laughing at the way you phrase that. Yeah. Like your fucking like civilization tool tip. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I have. Uh, yeah. So when this happens all the time in those areas, when they go from a very abundant source of food 
to chopping it all down at the same time. I worked at a theater in the middle of a cornfield, and suddenly the flies went from, hey, I don't notice them, to there are flies everywhere in a matter of days. Horrifying. Disgusting. Couldn't do it. Not fun. So we get to the reward challenge. Oh, no, we talk about the the way that they pick their teams. Yeah. I think they just draw them, right? They do. Okay. We get we get to the reward challenge and it's insinuated that you need pairs. You need a partner to work on this one a la Survivor Australia. Australian Outback. And Jerry says, I must have Ethan. Wait, I'm, no. I'm mixing, I'm mixing the seasons. Yeah. This is much more civil than Jerry. Yeah. Everyone's on board with drawing out of the hat because it's the most fair. And everyone's going around and this person's with this person, this person's with this person, and you happen to notice they set up, oh, I don't want to be with Frank. Brandon doesn't want to be with Frank. Yeah. Frank doesn't want to be with Brandon. Sure enough, Brandon and Frank end up together. We, they only show off two pairs. So there's four pairs, I think? Yeah, because yeah. there's eight people. They only show off Tom and Young Kim and Brandon and Frank. Yes. So I was like, oh, cool. So one of them wins. Uh-huh. Got it. <laughs> And yeah, it's a lot of just, look how much fun Tom and Young Kim are having. It was cute. They, they do cartwheels. They, yeah. they call themselves the big and little. It's, but they're going to be terribly, they're going to do great physically, but terrible mental. I would, well, I, I think Young Kim is smart, but I understand that Tom can't identify that. Fair. <laughs> Unfortunate that they do end up losing on the mental aspect of it. That is true. So, <laughs> we get to the obstacle course. Which is almost like a very similar setup to Survivor Australian Outback. Yeah, it's like a slightly more refined version of it. And it is. I liked it. It's a little more New School Survivor, where it does mm-hmm. end on a kind of puzzle. Yeah. The, hard, the thing that takes the longest is at the end of the challenge, yeah. so that you can catch up. Yeah. So, it's two teams running at a time. It's a tournament, just like last season. And... It's obstacle course, it's jump over things, go under things, crawl, and then you have to build a ladder out of different shaped rungs. Mm-hmm. So you have to fit them in. It's almost a puzzle. And then use that ladder to go over a wall, and then that's the end. You cross the finish line, and there it is. So your two heats, Brandon and Frank, Kim and Tom, Lex and Teresa, Ethan and old Kim. Brandon and Frank beat Kim and Tom. Ethan and Kim beat Lex and Teresa. Yeah, so from the moment that Frank and Brandon beat young Kim and Tom, yeah. I was like, okay, cool, so they won. Yeah, you're correct. I don't need to see the rest of the challenge. They won. <laughs> Interesting little tidbit that happened here is in the second heat, Brandon was such a hard ass on Frank, mm-hmm. just yelling at him, go, Frank, go, Frank, go. It's like, oh my God, Brandon. He wanted to win that challenge. He really did. Which is, again, the confusing thing about Brandon, because he lives in this area where I won't work with Frank on a vote, but I will work on him with this challenge and put my whole heart and soul into it and win it. I don't want to go home, but then I give up all these ways that I could have had power over and over again. Very, very confusing. All over the place. All over the place. Yeah, inconsistent is really just the best word for it. Correct. So Brandon and Frank... Went a hot date to the Survivor movie theater. They get to go out into, I don't know, somewhere, where they set up a theater with a 35mm projector, which was really cool, by the way. It was really cool. And they get hot dogs, candy, and they get to watch the movie Out of Africa, which I don't know anything about, but I'm sure it's like white savory bullshit. I don't know. I know I know it's a classic, and I don't know if it's a classic that's actually a good classic or okay. a bad classic. Fair. And there's a lot of a lot of homophobia in this, uh, this this little bit here. Frank's like so. This is kind of why I don't like to give old people a pass on their bigotry. Because <laughs> think back to season one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rudy was a little weird about it sometimes. Rudy, much older than Frank, by the way. Yeah, a little weird about it sometimes, but it was always good spirited, mm-hmm. and it was always like. Now my buddy's going to make fun of me for this because they're homophobic. Mm-hmm. I, obviously, Rudy never would have called them that, but implying it. And that he's going to get some shit, but he really likes Rich. This is frankly like, whoa, hey, ah, it was just a movie. It's not like we were like making out or something. That yeah. I'm not, ah, we weren't like touching tips. Like, it's so, 
Rudy viewed Rich as a human being mm -hmm. with part of him that Rudy did not understand. Yes. But learned to appreciate. Frank views Brandon as a sexuality that happens to be attached to a human being that he doesn't like. Valid. But uh, the show frames it in a weird perspective, too. They, like, dig into that date idea a little too hard. And they try to make it, like, oh, this, isn't this so cute? These two people that do not like each other are doing this thing. And they play, like romantic music and i'm just like eh. which and that was that was weird too because there was times where I, I actually really liked it when it was just like oh look at these two people that fucking hate each other yeah that have to share this time together and are actually finding some moments of enjoyment and then there's times where the show's like but he's gay though yeah and you can like practically hear the laugh track and i'm like oh we, I, listen, I don't mind a good enemies to lovers trope. Yeah, odd couple mentality. Fine. Exactly, it's fun. But you're we can we can just keep it the first thing. It doesn't have to be the second thing. Odd couple isn't an actual couple. They're just two people that are very different. Exactly. Oh, and by the way, in case you didn't notice, Mountain Dew is the sponsor. <laughs> Did you get your Mountain Dew, kids? Mountain Dew. Now with Code Red. <laughs> every episode. Mountain Dew. We're yeah. going to give you Mountain Dew every, every single episode. We're going to sneak it in there. One way or another. God, PepsiCo must be living their best life. Just shelling out money. Yeah. And then, back at camp, everyone's plotting, scheming to vote out Brandon. Insanity. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I don't get it. I oh, really don't. One note I forgot to mention on, on the date. Yep. Frank is using every dog whistle in the book Ooh, go, to, to, to refer to that. gay people. Like, at one point, he talks about, like, oh, I'm just old-fashioned. I just don't get it. I'm just old-fashioned. Sure. Uh, that's that's a big old red flag. Hey. Not that they needed any more, but, like, dude, come on. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Please continue. No, it's okay. Back at camp, they this is the hey, will they, won't they section of the episode. Everyone wants Brandon out. Frank and Tom are bonding because of no political correctness. It's they, they're, they're two kindred souls, says Frank. They're to punch down and make everyone that doesn't look like them feel inferior. Yeah. And then another time... They just, they just liked it in the old days when women stayed in the kitchen. And, you know, the blacks stayed in a different school. Isn't it crazy that... Is it Ruby Bridges? Is that her name? The first, the the person who first integrated schools I, in the I South. I think so. Yeah, is only like sixty or seventy. I so so civil rights era footage is intentionally shown in black and white, despite it being shot in color. So you so it feels like it's further in the past than it is. That is, ah! a, that is a conscious choice, or like photographs and all of that. Like they're easy to colorize. And instead, they leave them in black and white so that it feels like history instead of what your grandparents <laughs> were doing. Or at this point in in two thousand and one, mm -hmm. like Tom's Tom was probably what he's probably what forties fifties probably fifties. Let's say Tom's fifty five. That would mean that Tom was born in what nineteen forty six. Tom is forty five. Forty five. Okay, so he was born in nineteen fifty six. That means Tom was like 10 years old during the civil rights era so when he's longing for the days of his childhood like i'm i'm looking way farther into this than it's meant to be but i i just i feel like that's something that always gets lost in these types of like ah uh, well that's that's grandma she's just always been like that and it's like yeah like watching the dogs get sicked on those people and then laughing about it like which side which side of the segregation protests was grandma on yeah i was there i i was part of history yeah but which side <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> and then one last tom quote people are changing their minds like they're changing their underwear that's a good quote is it i just think it means it's it's a good it's a good old little euphemism <laughs> okay fine there's not a whole lot else here. Brandon talks to Kim. Vote me out instead of saying anything about me because I can't take it. This is the most dramatic thing I think I've ever seen. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. I just, I just can't take it. Oh, the vapors. Oh, I, uh, I two do things declare. To, two things to say. Okay. Right now, I still think Ethan's the winner. It's 
I'm worried it's going to be Lex in the final two, but I'm starting to hope it's Tom. Ooh, okay. Or starting to think slash hope it's Tom, because I would take Tom over Lex with Lex, Lex's current self-destructive power spiral. I don't want that to be rewarded. And that's kind of like, I feel like Tom is, like if Ethan's going to bring a goat to be herded, mm-hmm. Tom's a good one. Okay. Unless we're still in the era of like, eh, he's too likable. And this season is not nearly as brutal as Australia. Remember where we were at this point in Australia. A couple episodes past Merge, we were... I, this is getting pretty close in the season to the emergency rice episode. You're right. And I think the kicker is the water tank. Yeah. Had that water tank not brought in, it would be a far different story. That's true. I think that changed the game. Yeah. And the fact that they're still using it because they show it every single day and every single episode is huge well if they're smart they're refilling it so you go and you get when you go to get water uh-huh. and because we've seen them boiling water a couple times now yeah you just instead of drinking right from that boiled water you take the boiled water and pour it in the top of your tank sure yes but yes you're right and it seems like they have they have ample food they still can't leave the camp hardly ever it seems no. but we're not watching people wither away and and there's conversations beyond oh my god i'm dying please help me (laughs) which i appreciate good we get to immunity it's a fire making challenge again Mm -hmm. we're just we're just playing the greatest hits here in this episode hey steven yeah where's this river i I don't know what you're talking about jared where why do we need a watering hole if we can walk to a river What what are you talking about jared i don't i don't know why didn't they put their camp near the river? Because we want to put them next to the animals that could kill them. <laughs> I actually, actually, no, you know what? Now that I say that, I wonder if they couldn't put it that close to the river because of the animals that could kill them. That's a good point. <laughs> I can't argue with that. <laughs> so, the, the weird part about this challenge, to me, was not the setup. It's essentially a larger scale immunity uh, final four fire making challenge. Except you had to go run, get your supplies, and it's bonfire size and not little, little baby one. Yeah. But they gave them a magnifying glass. Yeah. That's their fire starter in this one. Instead of... Instead of Flint, Flint. which is, is the typical one in Survivor. I almost said zinc. That would not work. No. It would not. Yeah. That seems like an odd twist on it and i'm assuming one that they don't keep very long i can't i cannot honestly think of another time that they in a challenge use a magnifying glass to start fire wild it is and did you catch that somebody got a limit or uh ejected from the challenge correct because they had to make a, a point that you could not touch the rope like your 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 supplies can't touch the rope and uh, I'll, I'll hold on to that for a okay. hot second. So they get off into the into the challenge. Kim, Lex, and Frank are the first ones to get fire. Kim is first. Kim gets out to a pretty early lead and then just throws a bunch of grass on it. There was almost no substance in Kim's fire. <laughs> Lex gets a little more substance in there, starts to take hold. Frank looks like his is pretty good, mm-hmm. but then makes a beautiful, beautiful mistake of hitting the rope with the supplies and snapping the rope with the supplies to the point where flag goes up everyone gets pissed that he won and jeff has to be like no 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 you you your stuff hit the thing you you can't you lose could we gotten a slightly stronger rope where one stick touching it wouldn't make the rope explode that's the thing these ropes were super flimsy they were so thin Like, I'm thinking to, like, you know, the final four fire-making challenges in, like, 41 and 42, and they've got it figured out. I mean, this show's very well optimized at this point, but it's, like, a quarter inch. Like, if you accidentally touch it with something, it's not just going to fucking explode. (laughs) It's not like Frank takes a machete to it. Yeah. It it honestly just looks like he caught it with a, a branch and looks pretty close to actually finishing it with just the fire. Yeah. I would have given it three more minutes and that thing would have gone up in flames. Everyone stops working. And I honestly think, because they do the, 
the thing where Jeff comes in and edits it later. Yeah. I think they stopped the challenge and some producer or cameraman went, no, 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 no. I saw it. It flicked. Mm, I didn't catch that. Because Kim like sits down, has a full on meltdown, and then they have to restart it again. But Kim's bush pile <laughs> is pretty much out. It's out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So... Just overall, the the filming of this was not good. No, it was not. And these, like you said, we're running back the we've we're running back the the standards. This is the third time we've done this challenge. Yeah. Why is this the worst version of it? Because it's so simple. Well, it's such a simple challenge, but like, why did you make it worse over the course of your three seasons? I don't know, man. Season one, very simple, worked. You mm-hmm. just had build a fire. Great. Season two, add another mechanic with a the whole seesaw. a little seesaw. Okay, yeah. fun to experiment with. Season three, let's make it smaller and worse. Yeah. That's the twist. It was boring. I don't like it. Me either. So, Lex wins. Lex wins despite all the bad camera angles, and I did. it's hard to tell who was winning, but Lex wins. Yeah. Yay. So we go back to camp, and now we go back to work. Lex is rallying Tom, and people are getting suspicious of Lex. Well, yeah, and Lex is suspicious of Frank. Well, let's talk about people being suspicious of Lex first. Sure. People are suspicious of Lex because Lex is really going to bat for Brandon here. Yeah. And we, we talked about it earlier in the episode. Hey, Brandon scratched our back. We should at least see him through a little bit before we get rid of Which, him. Yeah, I agree with it. I also agree with it. And then Tom. T- Tom is maybe plotting something here. But it's more of a threat, I think, where he says, if you dance with my lady, I'll dance with yours. <laughs> Tom only speaks in euphemisms and riddles. Only. It's it's pretty great. Yeah, no, I, it seems like him and Ethan really, that's why I switched it to, I hope it's Ethan and Tom, and I could fully see it being Ethan and Tom in the final two, because they have now bonded over this, like, hey, is Lex starting to freak you out a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Hey, um... Are we in trouble? <laughs> Are we in danger? So we get to tribal. Well, no, no. So real quick. Okay. Something I thought was interesting. Lex Lex tries to make Frank the target. Uh-huh. And he says, basically, that Frank will do anything to win. And that struck me as dishonest at first. Mm-hmm. But Ethan then agrees with him on that right away. Okay. And I think back to Frank willing to team back up with young Kim and Brandon for a vote. And I, I do think there's a ruthlessness to Frank that is that he is hiding well, mm-hmm. or at least the show is hiding well, because obviously he's not hiding it well. Like if Ethan and Lex are talking about it, but he might think he is. I just thought that was an interesting side of him that we haven't seen. I mean, it's, it's crazy to me that that comes off as ruthlessness when in today's game, that's just normal play. Yeah. I, I strung together a group of misfits to make this work. Yeah. Oh, he's doing anything to win. Yeah, because it's a game for a million dollars. That's the point. Yeah, do that. And Jeff talks about this at Tribal, actually. He kind of alludes to it when he's talking about, I think he's asked it to Brandon, or maybe it was to the entire group, how do you see the game? Is it, you know, there's a certain way you're supposed to win, or it's these are the rules, don't break those, and anything else goes? Yeah. It was, maybe he asked that to Frank. I don't remember who he asked it to. And also brings up threat management for the first time. Mm. Asks, I think it was Lex, if being a leader is also puts a target on your back or something along those lines. So we're starting to we're starting to play with those concepts a little bit. We're starting to weave it into the show here. It feels like there is interesting gameplay going on finally, and it feels like the editors don't know how to show it to us. Mm. Yeah. The players are ahead of the editors this time, I think. Good. Good. <laughs> Get it together, Survivor. So now we're at Tribal. This was a weirdly thought-provoking Tribal. Yep. I mean, we spent a lot of time on it, so it was probably just, hey, we got to see more questions. We got to see yeah. people really stop and think about this, mostly because there wasn't a whole lot of content in the episode. But Ethan had to be put on, on trial for... What's the top quality that makes a good winner? Yeah. Confidence. And not just like confidence to do good things, but like confidence that in other people, confidence in you're going to win a challenge, confidence in yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Honestly, okay answer. Yeah, it was fine. It was kind of a nothing answer. Yeah. Brandon getting put on the spot for 
what would you do to win this game? Oh, yeah, that's what I was talking about. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I wouldn't do anything immoral. It's just a game. And Tom, I forget what the, the context of this, but whatever is going to happen will happen. Mm. I think mm. just being asked about the vote. Yeah. Really, the key for this tribal is trust. Yep. And who do you trust? Who do you not trust? And really, everyone pretty much out and does it. Nobody trusts Brandon. Nobody trusts Brandon. How can you? Which I, I will say, in a more modern season, I think what Brandon did would be fine. Mm-hmm. I also think that Brandon is the most modern player that we've had thus far. Mm-hmm. But he is, first of all, he's inconsistent and messy and doesn't have a vision for himself. Yeah. But he's also ahead of his time in that he doesn't have anybody that's looking at the game the same way that he is or the same way he does sometimes. Sure. Yeah. And so Brandon gets voted out 6-2. to two. Right, right down the line with him and Lex voting for yep. Frank. Mm-hmm. Lex smiles when Brandon's on his way out the door. I didn't catch that. You catch that? It's weird. It's a weird moment. I think he knows he just won one jury vote if he gets to the final two. Yeah. I'm also just sitting in the hypocrisy of Teresa gave Clarence her word that she wouldn't vote for for Clarence and voted for Lex. He doesn't know that though. I know, but it's it's not lost on me. Oh yeah. I just wanted to point that out. I think Teresa's very smart in not telling him, and I think if she had told him been like, hey, I put a vote on you because I made a deal with Clarence, I think it I think there's a more than fifty percent chance Lex would back off. Because mm. he'd be like, oh okay, like cool. Like I get it. It's not a hundred percent chance, and so why should why would she ever say anything? Why would you put yourself in the line of fire? It doesn't make any sense. Never stop your opponent when they're making a mistake. Yeah, but there is a hypocrisy there—one that Lex doesn't know he's making, but no. there is a hypocrisy. And, uh, I will—I'm going to give him credit that yes, he does not know he's making that the the hypocrisy. But I—I I want it to be known that I caught that. <laughs> so Brandon's gone. Brandon does not come back. Yeah, that's not shocking. No. I think Brandon, in a modern season, would do a lot better than he did this season. I think with with blueprints of people making moves Mm -hmm. before him, Mm -hmm. more blueprints and and more people's games to model his after, and less less emotions, and not this stupid fucking tiebreaker, (laughs) I think you... Brandon, if if he could work out the inconsistency, could end up in a, like a top four kind of player. I think he could go either way. I think he could be a really good player, or he could be one of the messy moves, mm. getting out pretty early post-merge because of messy moves. Yeah. I can see that too. Yeah, he's definitely mistake-prone, and he doesn't have the shield in a team environment of being... Mm good at challenges like he's okay yeah he's pretty agile he did really good in that obstacle course challenge but he's not someone you have to keep on your tribe for team challenges Mm. so you're right he could do he could go off and look for an immunity idol and lie about it or something and get caught and be completely screwed hell yeah (laughs) we we have our our ew quarantine questionnaire that got filled up by brandon which is great some highlights of this one Extremely proud that CBS chose to have a, a really flamboyant out gay character on the number one show in the country. Yeah. So, honestly, super cool that he, he's proud that, like, hey, I was just me, and they were willing to put that out on TV in a time where it wasn't, like, people weren't making those choices. Yeah. Like, Rich was, Rich is, Rich was gay, and Rich is gay, mm-hmm. if Rich is still alive. I assume he is. Rich is still alive. Okay. But Rich was not nearly as flamboyant as Brandon was. And, it, like, if you told me that production did not know that Rich was gay when he signed up for the show, I would believe you. Sure. Brandon, you, you're, you, he wears it on his sleeve and is much more open. Yeah. So, yeah. Could totally, I, yeah, I agree with him. Yeah. And he knows that due to his immaturity playing out on national television, like, he was in his 20s, yeah. and he, he regretted appearing on the series for most of his 20s. He wasn't a beloved character, and people weren't always too nice. And I... That makes sense. I guarantee that that is true. Yeah. People, not nice. Crazy. (laughs) But now, in his 40s, looks back and revealed that his boldest move, one that ultimately led to his ouster, actually came 
together before the game even started. I want to know what that means. What? Oh, there it is. Okay. So, apparently, they, as a group, had a layover in Amsterdam on their way to Africa. And they would watch everyone really closely. But Lex, Lex and Brandon made eye contact. And he knew that Brandon was scared to death. We never really done anything. We just had an unspoken bond from there on. The vote that happened later where I saved him instead of Kelly was decided before I ever got off the plane in Africa. Whoa. That's nuts. So they kind of kind of had a, a cool little bond, even though they never were on the same team. Hmm. That's, that's just another testament to Brandon kind of being all over the place because he says on the show, like, obviously he's not going to say that on the show, but says, mm-hmm. it's because I hated Frank and... Then it's because he thought I could help him. And then it's because, you know, he made this connection with Lex. And that's obviously 20 years later and probably the true story. But it's, yeah, it's so weird. And then stopped watching after Survivor Racist Island, Survivor Cook Island. This is a direct quote from the article. Oh, we're talking about Survivor Race War? <laughs> I do know the premise of that season. <laughs> and then watched Heroes vs. Villains and stopped watching again. Yeah. I started watching during quarantine, fell off, fell in love with a few characters. Says, Heroes vs. Villains is the best I've seen. Okay. So, has some some favorites in these seasons. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, and he is my protagonist of the episode. Okay. I mean, he, he's the, he is the question of the episode <laughs> for his entire tribe. That's fair. Totally valid. Yeah. Cool. Anything else you want to end this episode with? Don't front stab everyone that trusted you. Oh, also, I am very excited for Young Kim. The more that we've gotten to see of her, I I don't think that she's going to do much because I think she'll get voted out. But she's the next iteration, the Colleen, Elizabeth, and now Young Kim similarities of like young young girl who's kind of buried early. Colleen wasn't as much because of the Greg romance, but that's that's a little buried early, and then kind of rises up and starts trying to make plays but falls short. Yeah. So maybe maybe one of her plays will work. Maybe. I think Frank's going home next week. Next week's going to be a problem. <laughs> Only time will tell. Oh, I'm going to have so many rants. Yay! Bumper. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast. Hey, hey you out there. Thanks for listening. I wanted to appreciate you. We like hanging out with you. We like doing this. And we're going to keep doing this. Despite all of the crazy that's going on right now. Yeah. We're waiting for a blizzard to happen. So we'll see. Share us with your friends. Share us with your enemies. We haven't plugged ourselves in a while. It's true. So just remember that, you know, we don't have ads anywhere. We're just doing this as a fun project. Yeah. And we like the community that we're growing and want to continue to grow. So if you can pitch us to people that you know that like Survivor, that'd be cool. I found out that a lot of people are hidden Survivor fans. People <gasps> I don't expect will just pop out of the woodwork and, and like post something about Survivor, and I'm like, wait a minute. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. We're out there. There are dozens of us. <laughs> dozens! I think it's still a pretty popular show. Anything you want to plug? Plug us. Ooh. That's, yeah, that's it. Ask nicely first, though. Hey. At least buy me dinner first. <laughs> We're going to plug the... I don't know. We went to, last night, Jared and I, we went to a bunch of holiday-themed bars in Wrigleyville in Chicago. There was... I'm going <laughs> to plug staying away from Wrigleyville. That's fair. <laughs> there are a couple fun ones. It's true. It's it, fun to go to, like, once or twice a year. They literally just slap a, a Band-Aid on a regular bar and yes. call it Holiday Bar, so... Some of them were more made up than others. Yeah. Some of them were like, oh, this is very elaborate. This is all themed after a movie. The Elf Bar was okay. It was okay. It wasn't it wasn't great. Some of them are just, hey, ugly sweater bar. Are there any ugly sweaters? No. Nah. <laughs> That's just what we're calling it. Okay. <laughs> cool. The Hanukkah Bar was cool. The Hanukkah Bar was cool. Again, it felt a little... It, it, the, the lighting display was what made that. Yeah. Everything else. I don't know. Did they have Hanukkah themed food? I was pretty drunk at that point because Jared made me drink. I'm sorry. I lost a bet. Therefore, I had to drink two Chicago handshakes, which if you don't know what that is, it's a shot of Malort and a PBR 
Malort, please sponsor us. Malort. No, no, fine. Please sponsor us. It tastes like battery acid. Earwax and grass clippings, baby. For my co-host Jared, this is Steven. For my host Steven, this is Jared. Bye-bye! Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Huh? I'll fucking do it again. <laughs>